0: Let's go in-depth on all things Hawkeyes. This This is is Hawk Central. Central. On Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO.
1: Happy Wednesday, Hawkeye fans, and welcome into a brand new episode of the Hawk Central Radio Hour right here on 106.3 KXNO, stationed in our usual home tonight from 6 to 7 o'clock. I am your host, Des Moines Register sports columnist Chad Leistico. I write about and talk about the Iowa Hawkeyes for a living uh, another monster week of football ahead. Iowa gets tabbed number 16 in the college football playoff rankings. And a Kinnick Stadium showdown against Illinois on Saturday is at hand with a chance to punch a ticket to Indianapolis for the Big Ten title game. Uh, Tyler Tashman, my uh, Hawk Central teammate, we were going to lead off with some basketball tonight after last night's entertaining game at Creighton, a 92-84 to loss to the number eight team in the country. But... Uh, Unfortunately, we've got to start on the defensive side of the football where uh, injury talk swirling around Cooper DeGene. Uh, It's a little tricky because as we talk and as you listen to this on a podcast, there could have been further updates. Uh, However, we will talk about what we know now and how Iowa will try to cope without its best player most likely on Saturday. Uh, Tyler, it sounds like uh, let's just – Let's just go with this uh, for our audience for right now. Probably out through the regular season and Big Ten Championship game with what is uh, reportedly, apparently, what I'm hearing, a lower leg injury uh, that happened in practice. So, uh, I don't know. Can this team catch a break? Let's start with that.
2: Yeah, it's been, man. It just feels like, it's been one hit after another this season, not just on the injury front, but just, you know, news within the program and gambling investigations of um, another hurdle that, that Iowa has to deal with. I think, you know, if, if Deshaun Lee's going to have to be the guy to go in on, on Saturday and, and perhaps for the next few games uh, he's obviously not close to experienced as Cooper, but, Uh, I think you can find a little bit of comfort in knowing that he performed pretty well in those two games earlier this, or the first two games of this season when Jamari Harris was out uh, due to a suspension. So at least you have that to kind of, you know, I guess look at, if you want to look at what Deshaun Lee brings, he has had some experience this season. He looked pretty good in those two games. So I think you go in. Obviously if Cooper is unable to go, that that's a massive loss, uh, not only for defense but special teams, but I think Deshaun Lee is capable of at least holding the fort down. He he has been in there a little bit. He hasn't really played substantial snaps on the defensive end since that second game of the season, but uh, you know, it seems like he's gonna be the guy to have to fill in and uh it's it's quite a drastic change, but
1: he, he, he did look pretty good in that small sample size. Yeah, the uh, uh, timing of today's Bronco Nugursi finalist uh, announcement was somewhat cruel. Uh, Cooper DeGene, yeah. uh, one of five finalists for the Nagurski, which uh, is pretty darn impressive. That goes to the best defensive player in college football. Uh, another finalist of the five is uh, on Illinois' roster, Johnny Newton, the defensive tackle, the phenom- phenomenal defensive tackle. Uh, only a handful of guys have been an Irgursky finalist from Iowa, Pat Anger in 2009 and Josie Jewell in 2017. So uh, a big accomplishment for Cooper DeGene off the field, but obviously he's going to most likely be off the field. Unless, I mean, uh, you know. In addition to defense, though, Tyler, there's the the issue of punt returning. That's uh, one of Iowa's best uh, weapons is the punt return game and ability to score on defense with Cooper. So uh, it, uh, it does take some big play ability off the board. Uh, I'd be curious to see who returns punts. Maybe it's Caden Weechin. Uh, I know even Caleb Brown has um, taken a few punts. Uh, I would guess Weechin. Um, I, but I don't know. I don't know. It, the, the problem here, Tyler, is that, uh, yes, it's good that he didn't get hurt during the game like Nebraska last year. But it did happen, you know, l- late in your practice week. I mean, Iowa does not have more practices after today. They have uh, Thursday off and a walkthrough on Friday. So it's not like you've had a ton of time to kind of get your mind wrapped around this as a team either. So that kind of hurts the preparations
2: with the as far as the special team aspect goes in my eyes now you just want to put someone back there that's not going to that's not going to make mistakes you know it's losing cooper he is a dynamic you know returner with the ball as as we've seen on multiple occasions but and so you lose that in all likelihood but you know i think whoever you put out there it, it's sort of the same now as the offense as you're like you just want Deacon Hill not f- to make self-inflicted mistakes to put Iowa even further behind the eight ball. You can't waste possessions. You can't put the defense in, in continued poor positions. And so that's where I look at in in the punt return game is whoever's back there, just you got to secure the ball. If you're going to call for a fair catch, just make sure you don't fumble, just get, you know, as, as, as discouraging as it might be at this point, like, you just have to not make a mistake back there on special teams and not have it hurt you. Um, And and I'm curious to see too, just because, you know, that, that Nebraska game last season when Cooper went down and things kind of unraveled really quickly, how is Iowa going to respond to this, this season? And it's a little bit of a different circumstance, but it's similar in the same way that it's late in the season Iowa has a chance of clinching a, a berth to the Big Ten championship. Uh, they crumbled last season. This season, they've dealt with a lot. They've bounced back a lot. Are they going to be able to bounce back in, in this situation as well? Uh,
1: I, I wrote earlier in the week that uh, if Iowa wins its final two games, that Kirk Ferentz should be the Big Ten coach of the year. Obviously, there's some other competition. Northwestern's David Braun, Ohio State's Ryan Day, uh, doubt Harbaugh would get it. Maybe Rutgers, Greg chiano But uh, I think he has a case. But uh, on the flip side of that, uh, Phil Parker, a, a semifinalist for the Broyles Award, which goes to the nation's top assistant coach. If he can find a way <laughs> uh, to get these final two, maybe he deserves that more than, than even Kirk deserves Big Ten Coach of the Year. Uh, I guess should we be – how confident should we be probably should be confident, I guess, in Phil Parker, (laughs) obviously, but uh, you know, is this defense uh, you know, uh, system proof where you don't necessarily need Cooper DeGene to keep playing the dominant brand that we've seen in the last four games, especially just one offensive touchdown allowed uh, now leading the country in yards per play allowed at 4.00 last year was 3.99, so really on pace with last year's defense. Uh, I guess the good news is the rest of the defense is pretty healthy, so you don't feel like... I don't know. How, how do you feel I guess? You take your best piece out on defense, clearly. But you know, is is the Phil Parker system good enough to just be can you just seamlessly step in here and stop what's a really good Illinois passing game?
2: I, I believe it will be. I, I don't know if like I would use the word seamlessly because I think when you lose a player like Cooper DeGene, there will be a little bit of a drop off that that might just be inevitable, but it is a, it is a very sound system. It's not like, I feel like you can take away one guy and the whole thing is just going to crumble. So I feel like there's still enough in place. Uh, Deshaun Lee has gotten enough, a limited, but some experience and you I mean, you still have Jay Higgins, you still have, uh Jermari Harris you still have Nick Jackson you know Quinn Schulte all the guys that have been a big part of Iowa's Sebastian Castro that have been a big part of Iowa's defensive success this season that I I feel confident enough that just because it is a major piece but just because he you know you lose him I don't think that it's just going to be a total collapse but on the other end that's almost what it was against Nebraska when he went out but I don't know I I feel confident enough you know in the defense to be able to not just totally fall apart without him
1: i'm interested to see how it goes um yeah i think cooper brings so much to that defense uh just in terms of you know people avoiding him uh the potential of big plays you know teams are or are, are have been very uh, risk averse against the Hawkeyes, which I think has played into their hands in some ways and others it hasn't because of the low turnovers, but uh, maybe now you know, Illinois feels a little bit more free to take chances and maybe Iowa makes them pay. Uh, it'll be real interesting to see um, how that goes. I thought Jamari Harris had a, had a pretty strong game last week against Rutgers. Illinois is a little bit different animal, but uh, I guess just interested to see it. I mean, gosh, Luke Lachey, Cade McNamara, Eric All and now Cooper DeGene, arguably, you know, your foremost, uh, maybe not your four best players overall, but four of your absolute can't-lose players uh, now uh, have been hurt. So that sticks. Uh, you're listening to Hawks Central from the Des Moines Register and KXNO. I'm Chad Leisticoe talking Hawkeye sports with Tyler Tashman. Later in tonight's show, I'll be joined by Dargan Southard. Uh, and that'll be in our final segment. We'll preview two big home games for the Hawkeye women to finish things up. And now let's transition into a little basketball talk, uh, before we circle back to our Illinois, Iowa football preview. Again, we were going to lead with this, uh, it becomes a secondary story now, Tyler, but, uh, we should talk about the Iowa basketball teams, 92 to 84 loss at Creighton last night. Uh, I was there. It was super raucous, uh, 17,000 plus, uh, everybody was in their seats. Everybody was out of their seats. Game ended after 11 o'clock, uh, Tremendous crowd. Uh, Iowa outscores Creighton by four, except for a five-minute stretch (laughs) to open the second half. And obviously games are 40 minutes, uh, but the Hawkeyes uh, go down by eight points. Uh, Lots we could unpack here, Tyler, but what is your number one takeaway from last night's game?
2: Just a reason to be optimistic. It, It was a loss, but Iowa going into a difficult environment against a, a team that is perceived as a potential you know final four contender uh they didn't look overwhelmed, they didn't look overmatched um and, and this is an Iowa team with you know that had a lot of roster turnover from last season, and at least from a national level, there wasn't necessarily a perception that or there wasn't just much national hype you know around this team and not saying that uh the performance against creighton totally changes that, but I think that the fact that Iowa can go on the road and at least give a really good fight to a, to a top-tier Creighton team was encouraging. And the fact that Iowa did it with, with Peyton Sanford playing limited minutes. He was in foul trouble in the first half, and he, uh, he was out for a little bit in the second half as well after taking a fall going after an offensive rebound. So you're talking about Iowa doing it without you know arguably their best player. Uh, ben Creaky was really good uh, the freshmen that, I,
1: said came, I said one takeaway I said one
2: No sorry, keep going now go ahead keep going I'm just man I like basketball so I get going and uh <laughs> no yeah the the uh the younger uh the younger group of guys the freshmen you know it wasn't perfect by any means but uh that that group has a lot of promise and can kind of give Iowa dimension uh in terms of depth that it didn't have last season
1: yeah, that, a lot of that stuff was on my list. Uh, ben Crickey, I'll, I'll focus on him for a minute. Uh, a lot of I noticed a lot of folks on social media are like, "Oh, wow, this Ben Crickey guy is really good." Uh, I didn't know how good he would be. He's he's really good. Uh, the guy uh, clearly was was featured in the game plan last night. Mid range is his game. That is the one thing Creighton gives up. Crickey ends up with 24 points. Uh, really started fast. Had 16 of those in the first half. Creighton made a little adjustment in the second half. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he, you know, that's, uh, that's a transfer. I think people thought, oh, maybe it's like a Philip Robocci. just get another big man in there. He seems like he's more than that. Uh, scoring threat now leading the Hawkeyes with 18 plus points per game for the season. And, uh, yes, uh, Peyton Sanford, uh, talked to him for a little bit after the game. He was, uh, iced on his left shoulder, hit it, hit the floor very hard, said he uh, blacked out for a second, uh was did go through tests and was allowed to come back in. But uh but yeah, that was uh an unfortunate night for him uh because he he definitely got fouled on that three point shot from the corner. Uh they didn't call it uh when I was had cut it to eighty nine eighty four had a chance to make it to eighty nine eighty seven. So um yeah we didn't quite get to see the full Peyton Sanford um but that's in there and you hope he gets healthy. Soon, he just looked like he could maybe use a game off to me talking to him. But we'll see if he plays against Arkansas State on Friday. I think the, the, the one thing, Tyler, and you brought it up briefly there, was the four freshmen really did not seem scared uh, out there at all. And that was a tough environment. It really was. Very first game in college for all of them on the road. And, uh, you know, I thought Freeman was good. Dembele steps up, hits his first three uh Price Sanford, I thought started you know, you know maybe didn't have the best first half, but it was much better in the second, and then Brock Harding you know still ends up with three assists, even though he didn't score
2: and and that was one of I was issues last season is that it, it was just not a whole lot of depth uh behind uh, just in general but also behind chris Murray and philip Robracha. and you know it feels like Owen Freeman kind of gives them. Uh, the length that they didn't have last season, uh, a rim protecting that they didn't have last season. And, and he still has a ways to go. And I'm also interested to see how he'll stack up when he has to go against the physicality of the Big Ten, you know, a guy like Dane Danger at Illinois, uh, you know, because obviously he's, I, he still has lots of room to add on his frame. But uh, he adds, you know, another dynamic that Iowa didn't have last season. And, and you know, going back to Ben Cricky, hidden. His mid-range game was just, I mean, it was almost automatic. And I feel like his game is a little bit of a mix between Chris Murray and Philip Robracha. And Philip Robracha was a guy that was just really effective around the rim, but couldn't really step out. Chris Murray was more of that kind of modern wing that that got a lot of good looks from beyond the three-point line. Feels like Ben Cricky might be a little bit of a mixture between the two in terms of he can step out closer to the perimeter, hit that mid-range jumper, but he also has a good touch around the rim. So um, I think I was – front court looks vastly different, different than it la- did last season. I think it's to be determined whether it's better or worse, but it, it certainly has some, some different ingredients than, than what was a really good front court last season.
1: It really was just a bad five, seven, eight minutes in that second half. Um. And it wasn't just, it wasn't all Iowa being bad. I mean, Creighton hit 10 straight shots, hit a couple tough shots, hit some open shots, but also some tough ones. Creighton, you know, uh, has a, a real veteran nucleus, uh, guys that can shoot, guys that can score. And uh, they just, you know, used the home crowd and overwhelmed Iowa. Uh, that's kind of what I wrote about uh, coming out of the, the game was my number one takeaway. is Creighton basically showed them, you got to have that type of intensity out of the locker room. Iowa did a great job to be 43-43 at half, but... Uh, Creighton did what a veteran team does and took it to Iowa coming out of that locker room and uh, you know I thought Iowa was was really good other than those that little stretch right there uh, so overall encouraged and uh, excited to see what's next for this team coming up next five big questions as we focus on the Iowa Illinois football matchup which has changed a little bit with the Cooper Digi news you're listening to Hawk Central here on 106.3 KXNO. Welcome back to Hawk Central Radio here on 106.3 KXNO. I'm your host, Chad Leistico, Hawkeyes sports columnist for the Des Moines Register, and joined, as always, by our Hawkeyes beat writer, Tyler Tashman, uh, based in Iowa City. Tyler, see you Saturday for Iowa versus Illinois, 2.30 p.m. kickoff. It's on Fox Sports 1. It's at Kinnick Stadium. It's senior day. Adam Alexander and Devin Gardner are on the call Uh, I realize the line could be fluctuating by the time you hear this, but Iowa was a three-point favorite, uh, dipping from 3.5 after the DeGene news over under around 30.5 points. Uh, That could go up with uh, the DeGene situation as well. So, Tyler, let's start with our five big questions. Uh, And again, we're going to start on the defensive side of the football. Talk to Iowa defensive line coach Jay Neiman today on the Zoom, uh, the last assistant coach not named Brian Ferentz, that we uh, talked to throughout this uh, cycle um, in the, uh, of game weeks on Wednesdays. And uh, we talked a little bit about what quarterback Iowa is preparing for. Uh, what quarterback should Iowa expect to play Saturday? So John Paddock for Illinois. Uh, unbelievable stats. He came in off the bench when, when Altmaier got hurt with like a minute and a half to go against Minnesota two games ago. John Paddock, Ball State transfer, 27 of 39 for 592 yards and five touchdowns, and two, including two game-winning touchdown passes. But Brett Bielema says today on Big Ten Serious XM that Luke Altmaier is healthy, cleared, and will start on Saturday. Do you believe, Brett? Uh, what, what should Iowa expect on Saturday?
2: Yeah, that was a little bit surprising to me, just given Paddock has been the hot hand and, and he might just kind of want to ride with that. But... Um, I think it'd be smart for Iowa to prepare for both of them, um, and 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 I would say with Paddock is that uh, as as good as he was against Indiana, and and this is not trying to take everything away from him, but Indiana's defense was horrible, and the fact that Illinois went it, it took overtime for Illinois to to beat Indiana. On on one hand, that is a I guess you could look at a momentum and kind of emotional way to win, but uh, you probably shouldn't be going to overtime against Indiana given the way that, I mean, Indiana did beat Wisconsin, but having watched Indiana a fair amount, um, they're not a very good football team. So, uh, no, I, I mean, I think it would be wise probably for Phil Parker to get ready for both of those guys. And the good thing is you have tape on both of them. So it's not a situation where, you know, one guy might be coming in that hasn't played at all this season, and you don't really know what to expect. They've seen both; both of the guys have been on the field, so um, at least if you're preparing for both, you have an idea of what to expect from each of them.
1: Jay Neiman said today, and I do believe him, that they uh, expect Altmire to start, but they also expect to see both quarterbacks. So I think they're kind of hoping that Altmaier struggles. You know, the Iowa defense makes him struggle, and they they face Paddock. Uh, Altmaier a little bit more mobile, uh, but he also did say uh, that both guys basically are doing the same thing. Uh, you know, the same things. So it's not like one's wildly different from the other. So uh, the good news there is it doesn't necessarily change preparations uh, but too much, but it's something to watch on Saturday because, it, again, it's another late-week development. And then I'm curious if, if Illinois – you know, reacts in any way to the Cooper DeGene, um, you know, rumors, news, whatever. Uh, number two, how can Iowa block uh, Johnny Newton? He's the uh, the Nagurski finalist as well. Kirk Ferentz talked a lot about him on Tuesday. I wrote about him on Tuesday as well. Uh, the most dominant uh, defensive lineman in the country. Uh, he has, you know, still Illinois defense hasn't been great, but... Uh, Newton is is just outstanding. He's he leads the nation in snaps by an interior defensive lineman and he was suspended for the first half of a recent game because of a targeting and so he still leads uh, in snaps. Leads uh, among, on QB pressures among interior defenders with 39. Uh, no Big Ten player uh, has more than 23 <laughs> outside of that. Ohio State's Michael Hall Jr. So uh, Newton is a dominant force inside. You know what does Iowa do to to counter him? And he's also got his quote unquote law firm teammate in there of Keith Randolph Jr. So they got two really good uh, defensive linemen that Iowa's going to have to figure out on Saturday.
2: This should be a good test for Iowa's offensive line for a, a group that has seemed to really be picking up steam and a lot of question marks earlier in the season about them, but um, they have seemed to kind of put things together and have got moving in the right direction. At the same time, we we don't know exactly the status of Logan Jones um, as of the taping of this, so that um, is is something to monitor as well. And uh, Iowa's offensive line as a whole the last couple of games has kind of been mixing and matching a lot, so uh, they seem to be able to really... Put it together last game um, but th- this is another challenge I think where Iowa can prove itself on the offensive line and and it also worries me a little bit of Deacon Hills you know can he hold on to the ball because we've seen how uh, you know especially in that Minnesota game he can be careless uh, with rushers coming at him also his mobility in terms of you know if Johnny Newton is able to get to him on a consistent basis can will will Deacon be mobile enough to be able to make a play and get out of the pocket and not just be a sitting duck back there? so i, I think it does you know it does present another challenge for an Iowa offense that took a big step uh, against Rutgers, but you know, continues to need a build off of it.
1: I think it's a good week for Tyler Ellsbury to get another start or not another start. His first start potentially at center, Logan Jones not on the depth chart. That's another injury situation we're monitoring. Logan Jones according to Kirk Ferentz, you know, is one of Iowa's best players. So Iowa could be without him as well on Saturday. Uh, that just becomes such a backstory with the Cooper DeGene stuff going on. So, uh, but yeah, I think Ellsbury's got that, got a little more size. So I think he could probably hold up uh, better against Newton. But, you know, who, who knows? I mean, Newton is so dynamic that you can't, uh, it's hard to block him. I mean, just because you're, you know, in front of him, put your hands on him doesn't mean you're actually blocking him. He can get around you. So uh, just curious to see how Iowa does that. Will they run away from him? Can they run away from him? Uh, Pass protection, obviously, a huge factor here. You know, maybe Iowa doesn't need to pass protect that much. Uh, We'll have, you know, that'd probably be ideal in this case. Uh, Number three, Tyler, uh, Ken Deacon Hill, the aforementioned, uh, sustain his surge? I know it's a one-game surge, but 223 yards, 20 for 31 passing. Is enough to spark a lot of confidence uh, for for the quarterback, uh, maybe for the receivers. Certainly for this offense, which topped 400 yards for the first time in 32 games, and they're going against a defense that allowed 45 points to your Hoosiers. So, I don't know. What what, what do you think? Does Deacon Hill continue his hot streak? The
2: the overwhelming evidence, not just for Deacon but for Iowa's offense as a whole, is that. This is still a very underperforming unit. Now, last week against Rutgers did inspire some hope. What I'm curious to see if whether that performance against Rutgers was just an aberration, is is Iowa going to go back to being the, the struggling offense that we've seen so much this season, or it was last week a building block for what they uh, will do against Illinois? You know, that's what I'm curious to see. You know is Iowa able to sustain this or was that just a you know strike a lightning that you know they they get and and then it's gone so um i think you know if you look at can it be sustained i um, there i have some optimistic optimism that it can because it wasn't like Iowa was just hitting on 80 yard runs and these ridiculously long plays it was actually well sustained drives it was shorter pass plays it was um a steady rushing attack so it it wasn't like iowa was just putting up these ridiculous plays that can't be replicated it it, it does seem like it can be the problem is that iowa just needs to be able to get back into that rhythm
1: i think he's going to play well uh, i'll be surprised if he does if he plays terrible Just because you know, I think I think confidence is a real thing. One thing that Nico said in post game, and uh, I just I did look this up just because I wanted to like just remind myself as well that Deacon Hill just turned 20 years old in the spring. He was 19 when he transferred to Iowa. Still, even though he seems because he's a bigger guy and kind of mature, um, yeah, he's just he's still very very young, and so uh, maybe this confidence. Can boost him, uh, you know. Certainly, the Caleb Brown uh, surge, I guess you could say, is is notable. And I just think, uh, you know, this is this is probably one of the, you know, one of the defenses that just has not been there uh, for most of this year, uh, which is surprising, uh, given Brett Bielema's pedigree and whatnot. But no, I'm going to say I'm going to say Deacon does play pretty well on Saturday. Uh, number four, Tyler uh, Caleb Brown, two weeks ago. Um, was kind of a little bit of a surprise contributor uh, this past week. Zach ortworth, uh, the what sixth string tight end uh, caught a 54 yard pass longest by any receiver this year. So uh, a good question for my text group. who is the unexpected offensive player to make an impact this week if any?
2: I like Nico. I think he is he's had nine catches over the last three games. Uh, performance against Rutgers, he went four receptions for 48 yards. And by no means are these like earth-shattering numbers, but it is a major improvement from what I was receiving group was doing earlier this season. And Caleb Brown emerging as well, so it feels like that receiving group is 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 kind of moving in the right direction the last uh, couple of games. And I think Nico, with him being a uh, an experienced guy, and Kirk Ferentz said on Tuesday, he was like, "Feels like Nico kind of has a little bit more of a pep in his step, like he's the twenty-two version, twenty-two year old version of himself, not the twenty-eight year old version." Um, you know, t- taking a kind of a joking jab at his age, <laughs> but he he is only twenty-four, so he's kind of right in the middle. But no, I I, I do think that, uh, especially on the senior day, mm-hmm. uh, his his final senior day, unless he miraculously is given his 15th year of eligibility. Um, But, no, I think, you know, that's my
1: pick, Nico. uh, Just to be completely out of the box, I'll say Jacob Bostic. We've seen him get a couple snaps these last couple weeks, just a couple. But uh, this is a guy they've been excited about, who's been injured basically for two straight years. Certainly has potential. Maybe they can sneak him out there on on a route, uh, something like that. Again, looking for you know a potential wild card here that you're not expecting. I'll uh, I'll pick uh, Jacob Bostick, who's from Illinois. All right, uh, as we're talking, Scott Docterman of the Athletic saying it's a uh, broken fibula for Cooper DeGene. Uh, again, that's unofficial, but uh, that's something that I had to happen to me uh, when I broke my ankle back in January. Also broke my fibula, and it was like a four to six week. Type of deal, so um, you know if that is the case, then you know we're talking maybe a bowl game uh, when he comes back, if he comes back. So uh, yeah, just a tough, tough break, tough break for the Hawkeyes. So that leads us into number five uh, on the intangibles category. I like to, I like to do intangibles for for question number five, which is you know what do you expect to be kind of a wild card factor in this game? Uh, obviously, I'll, you know I'll have to say. Kinnick Stadium crowd can can bring this again. I mean, six false start penalties against Rutgers, the the fact that this game will be played under the lights in the second half. Just got to try to stay close. Uh, what Jay Neiman said today. I feel like I'm now. I'm taking a lot of answers here from you, Tyler. But so I'll, I'll I'll wait and then I'll I'll finish up. So what what kind of intangibles might you be looking for on Saturday that could decide this game?
2: I'm wondering if like. Should I would just like self-impose some sort of, you know, like playing with nine guys so they don't have to deal with any more injuries or like any wild stuff this season. Like if they self-impose, you know, only putting nine guys on the field, might that, you know, change the football gods, you know, luck that they're giving down. Um, No, I'll go with. I mean, I think Kinnick. There should be a lot of energy. I would hope that there would be a lot of energy, but you know, I think I'll go with Tory Taylor and Drew Stevens. Uh, given the the injury circumstances and um, just the kind of still unknown or, or uncertainty about what Iowa's offense is going to look like, uh, being able to play the field position game with Tory Taylor and then Drew Stevens uh, being able, if was offense can at least get into field goal territory. Um, and, and not even need to finish off drives uh, to be able to have Drew Stevens knock through field goals. So I think special teams, even without Cooper to Gene, uh, could be a big, imp- couldn't make a major impact because of Tory Taylor and Drew Stevens.
1: The question I asked Jay Neiman today was, you know, turnovers. They only have one, which is the Quinn Schulte pick last week. In the last three games. And uh, he kind of said, you know, I don't know why it happens, but turnovers usually come in bunches. So uh, that might be something Iowa needs. Luke Altmeyer, uh, the aforementioned Illinois quarterback who is expected to start, has thrown 10 interceptions this year, 10 interceptions. So uh, it, this might be a day where uh, the defense has to come up with some turnovers, get, you know, provide some short fields for that offense to convert on. Uh, I don't, it's not really an intangible, it's part of the game, but. Uh, uh, that's something that could be a factor as well. All right, we got to uh, slam our predictions into this segment now, Tyler. Uh, my mind's all over the board uh, with this this Cooper DeGene uh, stuff and not having him. Do you have a prediction for Saturday's game?
2: I'm I'm still confident that I will will be able to overcome it as it has many different hurdles at, at various points this season. I think Iowa seventeen to ten wins and. Uh Clinches a spot in the big Ten championship and i I picked a click even before this cooper DeGene stuff was you know came out with Sebastian Castro feels like he's been quiet the last few games after starting the season really strong, and this is not to say like he's been bad the last few games he just hasn't uh been as noticeable, but I think th- this is a game now even more so with Cooper out that uh he could really make a, uh, a major impact
1: oh man uh I'm struggling with this one. Uh, I that my gut feel is Iowa finds a way. That's just been the story of the season. Uh, I kind of I kind of want to. I picked Rutgers last week, and obviously that worked out well for Iowa. It was the first one I've really whiffed on this year. So I probably should pick Illinois just so that uh, you guys are happy when Iowa wins, and then you can tell me I'm wrong. But I kind of just think yeah, Iowa's going to find some way. I think they I think they can score at least 20 points. So I'm going to say 20 to let's give Illinois. 14, 20 to 14, same score as a Purdue game. 20 to 14, Hawkeyes. They cover too. I don't know. I don't feel great about it though.
0: Yeah.
1: I I think they're going to score though. I do. I I think they're going to score some points. Who? I mean, hopefully they score some points, but I mean, like a decent amount of points.
2: Oh, you think Iowa? Yeah, I think yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: And you would think Illinois you know Illinois got Isaiah Williams. We didn't even talk about him. He's like their best player on offense. Not not a good matchup. Anyway, they'll find a way, I guess. See you Saturday.
2: Yeah. All right. <laughs> See you there.
1: Coming up next, Iowa women's basketball with a 3-0 start, number two national ranking, and two big games coming up this week at home. I'll be joined by Dargan Southerd next here on Hawk Central 106.3 KXNO. Welcome back to Hawk Central Radio here on 106.3 KXNO. Thanks to Tyler Tashman for some good football talk uh, on bad news, (laughs) surrounding Cooper DeGene, uh, our Iowa-Illinois football predictions, and even some Iowa basketball talk against Creighton. Now it's time to talk a little women's hoops. This is crossover season after all. Uh, Chad Leistico here of the Des Moines Register. Joined now by Dargan Southard, who is our uh, Iowa women's basketball beat writer. Dargan – Thought maybe the Hawks would uh, climb to number 1 this week, but I think South Carolina probably ultimately deserved it. Uh, Blew out Maryland. Uh, Though Iowa had a really impressive first week as well, so uh, would not have disputed either way.
0: Yeah, and, you know, South Carolina also had the big win over Notre Dame, uh, I believe, on opening day. So, um, yeah, I I imagine this is not going to be the first time that those two teams are in the same conversation as we go through this season. Um, so it's, it's kind of cool to see them up at the top again after they just played such a big game against each other. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty much in a way picking up right, right where we left off in Dallas with this opening week, you know, a big road win over Virginia tech on a neutral court in front of a nice crowd. Caitlin goes for 44, um, thumps you and I on Sunday in a big, uh, you know, it was an Iowa-heavy crowd, but still a full house on the road. Um, and then, you know, you wake up Monday and Caitlin sweeps the national uh, weekly awards as well as the Big Ten Player of the Week, um, knocking on the door number one. So so uh, the tone has clearly been set on uh, what this season is expected to do and where the Hawkeyes are going to live uh, for probably the bulk of this season.
1: Yeah, I kind of wanted to start there. We're going to get to their matchups here on Thursday and Sunday at home, both of which are, are quite intriguing. But uh, I don't know, are you surprised, I guess, at uh, kind of the the strong statement that Iowa has made? I mean, I, obviously we know Caitlin Clark's really good. Uh, she's She wasn't not going to be good, but it feels like this team just looks better than I expected it to. I don't know if I should be surprised with Lisa Bluter, and Jennsen Jensen and everybody else, but I don't know it just it just looks like a team that's really well coached and uh, got a lot of good pieces
0: yeah, and it looks like a team that has its head in the right spot you know you, you think about um, everything that happened just in in the opening week, um, a lot of attention on Iowa, a lot of uh, headlines and you know this team seems really grounded um, I, th- I think last year's run had a huge you know, if you look at what last year's run is doing for this season, I think it's really that that this team is able to digest everything that comes, good and bad, in stride and kind of keep it keep it moving. Um but yeah, you know, in terms of on the court, you know, um this was a group that had questions in the post. Um they got one big test in Charlotte against Elizabeth Kitley, another big test on Thursday against Ioka Lee who Uh, once put up 62 points in a game for Kansas state. So um, it's interesting that the schedule is not only tough right out of the gate, but it's tough in the areas where Mm -hmm. Iowa has the most question to answer. And so far they've answered them, you know, pretty emphatically, you know, Hannah Stolke seems to be off to uh, a great start for her sophomore year, really sliding into that running mate role that Monica Sonano operated with, uh, with Caitlin. So, um, lots of positives so far, but as, as you said, another uh, intriguing week coming up uh, here in November.
1: Yeah, I think the most uh, fascinating development for me was, you know, I kind of figured, well, I guess Addie O'Grady is going to be their their main post this year. Maybe Sharon Goodman will help out, and they'll, they'll you know kind of team up to make up for that lost production of Sonano. But you know, honestly, they're they've looked their best when they've gone small ball. Adio Grady doesn't even play at Virginia Tech, and you know, uh, you know. I remember in May, you know, Caitlin Clark was telling me, you know, hey, she was telling Hannah Stulky to watch Golden State Warriors and, and how Draymond Green plays the five, and you know, we can we can outrun teams and and small ball them to death. And I like the lineups they've got because then they can put, you know, Sidney F. Alter, who's uh, uh, a really good rebounder, out there mm-hmm. along with Kate Kate Martin, and that you don't really lose too much, uh, at least in ter- you know. You're going to lose something, but it's a team that uh, is really hard to keep up with, especially with Caitlin Clark on your side. I like the small ball aspect.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that we're starting to see that that's uh, the best product Iowa puts on the floor is with its small lineup. You, you know, you saw Molly Davis get starts in the last two games after Sharon Goodman started the opener. Sounds like that spot's really going to be a matchup-driven uh, place as far as... Uh, who kind of starts that fifth in that fifth spot. And it's probably going to be small more often than not. So, um, you know, it it was interesting to see Addison O'Grady not play on Thursday, especially with such a key post matchup. But, um, you know, Iowa came out of that matchup pretty well. And um, it'll be interesting to see if, if O'Grady and Goodman, you know, kind of go neck and neck the whole season and, or, or if somebody emerges from that, but, Right now, I think Iowa's capable, uh, you know, playing four guards and Hannah Stolke. And and I think they enjoy playing that way because, as you said, um, you know, some of the things that you would expect to give up, rebounding and size and all that, hasn't really been the case. You know, Sydney Folter is a guard and is leading the team right now, you know, close to 10 rebounds a game. So um, as long as there's not anything being sacrificed with going small, I think the speed and the, the quickness that Iowa can play with, in that type of setup is something that teams are going to struggle to match uh, really all season.
1: Yeah. And, uh, Kylie Feerbach was a nice surprise at Virginia mm-hmm. Tech. Uh, throws in eight points in the third quarter during a really key stretch and, and looked really smooth out there. So they, they've really got like a lot of good, like two, three type players. You know, they mm-hmm. can just kind of, you know, just force feed in there. I mean, that you – Gabby Marshall doesn't score in her first two games. and all of a sudden explodes at you and I, would she have 17 points over there? Um, yeah, five Cedar of them are
0: deep. The funniest thing I found with her stat line was I think it was deep into the third quarter before Caitlin passed her up in shot attempts uh, in the game. So, um, huh. yeah, I mean, really, it's, it's kind of been, you know, Caitlin doing her thing and then somebody else around her um, or some buddies in these first few games. And it seems like it's been a different name just about every night.
1: Uh, most definitely, and uh, let's get into some of these matchups now uh, coming up uh, Thursday night against Kansas State. You kind of referenced that just a little bit, Dargan, already, uh, 730 on Fox Sports 1. It's Iowa sports are living on Fox Sports 1 this week, <laughs> uh, the Creighton game, uh, this game, yeah. the football game on Saturday is on Fox Sports 1, and then Sunday, uh, 6 o'clock against Drake, 6 p.m. Sunday against Drake. Also, on Fox Sports One, so it's the home of the Hawks, but uh, uh, give us a sense uh, of these two matchups ahead,
0: yeah, you look at Kansas State coming in here, a team that's you know receiving a few votes in the poll, a team that beat Iowa last year in manhattan um so i, I really think that there's some pretty clear motivation for keeping this hot streak going um and then again, you know ioka lee is is one of the best post players of the country. she's coming off a torn ACL last year, so she didn't play in that matchup um, in Manhattan. So uh, an interesting challenge there for kind of everybody on the interior to deal with Um, and, you know, a a chance for Iowa to get back home for the first time since opening night and really lean on that home court advantage that uh, really is, is unmatched in women's basketball right now. So um, I, I think that's another good quality early test for Iowa um and then sunday against drake um you know that that matchup always seems to have some drama there's so much familiarity between those two mm-hmm. programs drake picked up a big win against iowa state uh on sunday so um again you know i think it's key that iowa is coming out of the gates with this stretch of intense november games because if you look their december is 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 you know a little lighter in terms of big opponents so uh, for them to have to to be sharp and be locked in pretty much right from the start of the season, I think is really beneficial as they look to you know move toward even bigger goals as the season moves forward,
1: yeah, and you can't underestimate yeah, the other. They've only had the one home game, and it was you know like the one cream puff game they've had so far, so right, so now you they really
0: don't get another one for a few weeks, so um big to to take advantage of the two home games this week,
1: yeah, absolutely. Uh, excited to see kind of how that. Uh, that plays out and uh, I don't know I guess just uh, as we finish up here Dargan I'm just thinking back to how we started this conversation and just I realize it's early but it just doesn't feel like a a team that's not gonna it's not gonna take some big step back um, you know where it's like we're worried about maybe I'm off base here but we're I don't think this is gonna be a team where we're worried about them getting uh, rounds one and two at home uh, come March. It feels like a team that's going to be firmly in that top 10, 12 teams in college basketball all year long.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and it's interesting. You look around women's basketball and several big teams have already fallen, obviously one and two with LSU and UConn. Utah lost uh, last night against Baylor. So there's some big teams who are kind of coming out a little slow and, and stumbling a bit. And, and I was looked pretty much the complete opposite of that. So I I think that really speaks to the maturity of this team, the veteran nature of this team. Um, You know, I think they know how to handle a long season while pacing themselves, knowing that March is ultimately where this season's going to get defined. Um, And and I think all that is really coming together as this team looks to, you know, get back to to where it was last year, which is, you know, on the doorstep of winning a national national title.
1: And, uh, yeah. I hesitate to even say this, but just with the Cooper DeGene stuff, I don't think Iowa fans, Iowa fans, don't deserve any more injuries in any sport. No. I'll just I'll just leave it at that.
0: Yeah, I, I know what you're hitting at, and uh, that would be terrible. Uh, that would totally. <laughs> I mean, as as bad as Spencer Lee losing last year was, as bad as the football injuries have been, um, if something happened to twenty two, I, I I don't think Iowa fans would would recover. Uh, very
1: quickly, just yeah. Uh, it's just not necessary. That's enough. It's enough no. already. Injury gods. Right. It's enough.
0: Right. I agree.
1: <laughs> See, you at Saturday, at Kinnick Dargon.
0: All righty, appreciate it, Chad. Thanks.
1: All right, uh, make sure to catch our post-game podcast uh, from Saturday's football game from Kinnick Stadium. Always available live on our Hawk Central YouTube page. That is Hawk Central. Two words. Typically, been going around the eight fifteen, eight thirty range on these two thirty home games. So probably in that. That target again, but uh, we'll keep you posted on social media. Coming up next on KXNO, it is Fantasy Camp with Nathan Fisher and Tyler Allen, and uh, we'll be happy to catch you next Wednesday night here on Hawk Central, 6 o'clock, 106.3 KXNO. Good night, everyone.